I do have the honor and privilege of um, speaking this evening, and I wanted to speak about a lesson that we've been doing actually in what, what I fondly call Lego life, because it's a combination of legacy hyphen and legacy family. So we've been going through um, faith, and it's been a series of measuring my faith. And I, I don't want to talk about everything that we've been doing in that lesson, but I want to, and, and actually we've, we've only briefly touched on this, so even if there are any who are in here, they're, they're not going to have fully gone into this, so it would still be new. So I want to talk about the five facets of faith. And I have a sheet. I don't know if it's been passed out yet. No, you've not received a sheet. It is printed. I'm not sure where it is. But my, my announcer is going to find out. So a sheet is coming your way. Stay tuned. So I, I will just kind of briefly explain the five facets of faith. So when we're talking about measuring our faith, you can easily look at what I call, and, and many of us also call, the faith chapter, okay? Which we know is Hebrews 11, is the faith chapter. But faith is mentioned, and, I, and at least in the King James Version, okay? It might be more or less in another version, but at least in the King James Version, faith is mentioned 336 times. So it is, it is a foundational pillar of of what we're doing here because if you didn't have faith certainly you would not be sitting in these seats because without faith you're not going to do so that's the first thing is is faith promotes doing because it's it's, it's the same kind of thing if you think that somebody's going to give you i mean pastor said you know how many people would we have in the aisles if if they said hey you get a hundred bucks just for standing in the aisle how many people would be like i believe that therefore i'm going to stand in the aisle or, you know, you get $1,000 if you come up to the front. There are absolutely going to be people who are going to come right up to the front because they're going to say, I want to collect that $1,000. And they would not have come had they not expected the $1,000. And it's the, it's the same thing when you, when you read about advertisements. You know, I, I, I'm a wheeler and dealer. I like to get good bargains. <laughs> and I can tell you, if I see a good bargain and I take my time to go drive to that store or to go see what's going on. I'm there because I had faith that their advertisement had something happening that I needed to check it out. I may not even end up buying anything, but I'm looking for whatever it was that they advertised because I had faith that prompted my doing. So as Christians, we talk a lot about faith. We talk about our faith and my faith. And, and I've heard people say, I've lost my faith or I have no faith. And one of the things that, this is, this is something that we've touched on in the, in the other class, but I think it, it bears repeating. One of the things that I, I found in my own study of the word and in my own um, just, just life experiences um, is that's really kind of not true. No one actually loses their faith. It just changes places. Everybody has faith in something. And even if you say, I have no more faith that even there is a God, you're putting your faith in your own knowledge and understanding that you're saying there's no God. So even if you say, I've lost my faith. Nope. You just put it all like here. Here's where it is. It's in me. 
Now the Bible talks about someone who says there is no God. What does the Bible say? It says a fool saith in his heart, there is no God. So we have the faith to say, I mean, obviously you're here this evening. So you have the faith to say, there is a God. I believe in that God. And that God is doing something for me. And what is amazing about faith is, despite the fact that you can have faith to say, this is what I'm believing in and this is what I'm choosing to be as part of my path, if it's not in something that's supernatural, it will only ever be as big as it was to start. Your faith will never increase because it's in something that is impermanent. So it cannot grow, it cannot multiply, it cannot be exponentially reproduced. It's going to only be that measure that you started with. But what's amazing is, is when you put your faith in the supernatural, it's like that song my husband used to sing to Siobhan when she was a little girl and was going to sleep. It was, um, and, and these praises be multiplied. And I think that's what God is. He is the God of mathematics, specifically multiplication and exponents. He's the God who takes your fish and he can feed 5,000. He is the God who can take your small loaves of bread and can send an entire crowd away full with baskets to spare. That is exponential faith. And that's something that's different that you will not find if you are only putting faith in this body. Or you can say, and, and I've had people say, well, it's not, I'm not putting faith in me. I'm putting faith in our government. Or I'm putting faith in, you know, my boss or my coworkers or the principles of justice or law or whatever it is. That's still, really, if you want to circle that right on back, Where's that come right back to? Me. It comes back to me because I have chosen that I am going to put my faith in this person and this organi or organization, this situation. This is going to be where I put my faith. Whereas when you put your faith in God, you never know where it's going to take you. I mean, with Abraham, for example, he said, get up on out of your country and you go, you just start walking. I'm going to give you a land. He had, and, and that's where the faith chapter is amazing. And, and, if you, and, and I'm not reading it to you, but you should read it if you, if you don't. Because the faith chapter, Abraham is, is told, get up and go. And by faith, he started walking, not knowing where he was going to go, left all of his kith and kin and said, I'm packing my bags. I'm taking, you know, just my little, my little family because he was not a man of greatness at that time. It wasn't like I'm going out like a prince of Egypt here. He was going with just a little. God multiplied him, but it was a faith factor through God that was multiplied. So we've been talking about measuring our faith because when we're working with God, how do you know how big your faith is? Well, one way is number one, you got to make sure that you are listening to and obeying the Lord's word. And so Hebrews 12 and 25 sums that up. And if you want to turn there, so it's Hebrews 12 and 25. 
See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. I'm going to just tell you what that means. If you go, that's a little dense for me, Sister Sheena. I'm going to tell you. Basically what that means is judgment days are coming here on earth. Judgment meaning either we're going to die from a natural cause, somebody's going to get us from an unnatural cause, something's happening, and we're not going to escape it. The people, at some point, you can't escape the end. The end will come for everybody. We believe that the end is going to be glorious, but the end is going to come nevertheless. And so what the Bible is saying here is if you can't escape your temporal situation here on earth, if you can't escape this flesh body, we've had people try. I, I, I've heard, I've, re, I've seen all kinds of documentaries about scientists, especially in years past, who would try to be an alchemist because they were trying to find out, can we make life? Can we keep things going? Can we make gold? What can we do to find the fountain of youth? What can we do to live forever? And not one person yet has succeeded. We have an expiration date. The only people who I know who have succeeded are those that you can read from the faith chapter. Enoch was, and then he was not. Not because he was taken out, because God took him up. And so that is the kind of relationship that we have with our God. So we have to listen to and obey his word because if he's telling us something and if we can't escape here, how much more should we be trying to make sure that we are following every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? So how do we do that? Well, the five facets of faith. And these are not the only facets of faith, but these are some five foundational principles of faith. And I know some of them you, you, you can say, you know, I do these. Well, good. You know, it's, all, it's always good to know, like, I can tick that box. I, I do it. But I always find that for me, I can, look, I can look at some of these myself and go, ah, I do it, but I could probably do it better. That, that, that's, that's sometimes my, and, and maybe that's me as a perfectionist. I, I don't know. But I, I, I feel like I want to be the best me that I can be when I get to glory, because I'm thinking, when those gates, when I hit those gates, I don't want them going, ah, but did you really do your best? I'd probably go, well, I hope so, but maybe not. Maybe there were some times where I could have tightened it up a little better. So the five facets of faith. faith. The first one is attending church and assembling with the body. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. We have gone through a terrible time with pandemic. And when I say assembling with the church, I do not mean that you must physically be here, especially those who have been joining us faithfully, faithfully, faithfully online and who could not come, okay? Or if you've been ill and you could not come, but you've been faithfully joining online. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the continual faith to join and assemble as a body. The assembling is so vital, and it's not just the assembling at church. I can tell you it is part of what the early church did was they fellowshiped. They, they broke bread with each other. They had, and I think we do a pretty good job of breaking bread, and I can say I'm, I'm glad that we're starting to break a little bit more since we're breaking out of, of pandemic days a little bit. 
But that is something that is so important. The first thing is it's necessary and encouraging. And I'm just going to hit Hebrews 10 and 25 for that verse. And, and I'm not reading all of these. These are ones that you can read and look up at home. But it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Does anybody see the day approaching? I'm going to tell you what, there is something beautiful about being together as a body and feeling that encouragement and feeling uplifted, the unity and the bond of it. There is nothing worse, and this is what the enemy does. When the Bible says he seeks like a roaring lion, you know, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have, have you guys ever seen a documentary about lions? I, I like documentaries. <laughs> It's amazing what the lions do. The lions try to move a little straggler or a sick one or a little one to get them separated from the group. They want to get them separated because the lions are really powerless when, it, when you talk about the group. My kids, they like this little, this little cartoon. Um, I, I think it's called An Ant's Life. And one of the most powerful, and it's not, it's not a Jesus movie, it's just a little kid's movie, but one of the most powerful, like gives me chills every time I think of it because I'm like, that's just, that's the body of Christ. That's how I think every time. It just, it just gives me vict victory. The ants are in the thousands in this little movie, thousands of them, but they're little. But ants, as we know in real life, can carry incredible things for their size in terms of weight and strength. They're incredibly just powerful little creatures. And if they can't carry it, I've seen them. I, I used to, I remember as a kid, I'd watch like a line of ants and they, they would have broken down a bug or uh, something and you just see them all like working together. You know, this one's carrying this little piece and this one's carrying that little piece and they're all bringing it back to their little home where they can all feast and, you know, enjoy it later. And in this little show, the locusts, these grasshoppers, I call them locusts because it's biblical for me. These, these grasshoppers, they're like, We've got to take these, these ants' food. And the, 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 the grasshoppers are saying to the leader grasshopper, why do we have to do this every year? We can just go. we got plenty of food. We don't have to do it. And the lead grasshopper says, because if they ever know that they actually outnumber us, if they ever know we are powerless, and I think, ooh, that is what the devil tries to do to us all the time. Is he tries to separate us and make us feel like we are powerless when in fact the body is so strong together. We have such strength as a body. And that's why when we're measuring our faith, it's not enough just to come to church and sit here and just receive a word. But we have to be in unity with one another to say, I'm getting my strength here because I know when the enemy comes to try to devour me and say, you got to give me what, you know, the Lord gave to you. You got to give me your joy today. You got to give me what God, what, whatever it is, the treasure that God has given you as a child of the king. You can go, you can step off. We got thousands. 
thousands. And the Bible says, what does it say about putting to flight? Ooh, we can put them to flight. Measuring our faith. Making it more than just a chore. I can tell you what. There are days when in my own life, it's like brushing my teeth. Tick the box. Taking my shower. Tick the box. I enjoy getting clean, but there are some days when you are just so tired. It's like, I'm only doing this because I need to. I'm just exhausted. There are times when you can feel that way about church, where you go, I'm coming, but it's because I need to tick a box. But oh, if we can push past the box ticking, if we can push past the place in our mind and in our spirit where our faith is so drained that we're going, I just need to tick a box. But if we can say, I'm going to plug in today. I'm not going to tick a box. I'm going to get that, that sugar water for an ant. I'm going to get something that's good because then I'm going to be reinvigorated and renewed. And I'm going to remember why I do this. It's for joy. And you know, he shows up. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Just two. Just two. And I, I can tell you, there have been so many times where I have, I, I have thought, I'm just down and I think, I just need to call just at least one person just to say, will you just say a word of prayer? And it's like immediately, immediately you can feel the peace of God. But he's in the midst. Two or three gathered together, touching anything in my name. He's in the midst, so we have to assemble. It promotes unity, which produces power. And you know what? We're supposed to be part of the bride. If you want to get a gift, you got to go to the party. Amen. You got to show up. You can't be like, send your gifts uh, to this address, please. I can tell you what, if you want to get married, you got to go to the ceremony. <sighs> you got to go somewhere for it to happen. I can't even imagine. I, I, I say, I, you know, my husband and I, we got married. I can't even imagine saying to him on that day, I do want to get married, but <laughs> can I do it from here? And you can go to the church, and I'm just going to do it from, you know, my house. We'll Zoom. <laughs> it's what we do a lot nowadays is Zoom. You know, I can't even, you got to show up. You're the bride. So outside of attending and being in unity, oh, it always, it always hurts when we talk about money. I don't like talking about money. But you know what? It's what Pastor was saying on Sunday. I thought his message was beautiful about changing your mind. Money is a stronghold. It's a stronghold, and it's why. What does the Bible say about a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven? Easier for him to go through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because, not because money is bad, but the love of it is the root. The root of all evil. It's, it's one of the hardest things. And, and I can tell you what, even, even in my own profession, people don't like talking about their money. Hate it, can't stand it. 
Even if, even if you're trying to help them. They don't want to tell you. Fortunately, I don't have to know a whole lot to help them. But they, they're, they're like, do you have to know? Nope, don't have to know. Okay, you can see the relief wash across their face. I don't have to know. We're good. But money is a stronghold. And so you know what God said? I don't want you to give it all. 10%. 10%. But amazingly, and I, and I put lots of verses. If you go, well, is tithing only mentioned once? It is not. And, and I, and, and I'll, other disclosure, I have no idea who tithes and who doesn't. So this is not, this is not, Sister Sheena is calling me out. I, I truly, pastor keeps all of that. I don't know a, a not one dime that goes into the church. So I'm telling you right now, you could all be fabulous tithe payers. You could all be not tithe payers. I have no idea. I'm just telling you it's one of the five facets of faith. Okay? And so there are plenty of scriptures about tithing. 10% is the minimum. But biblically, if you study, the Israelites often gave 23%. And people go, ooh, 10 is really hard. 23 is worse. And what I, but I, I'll tell you what, I thought it was so powerful when I was looking up scriptures about giving. And so I, th this is the one that I'm going to do. Exodus 36, 3 through 6. Exodus 36, 3 through 6. And they received of Moses some, all, all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary put in their church to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings. So they had already, they had already paid off the building. Okay. That's like, that's like you want to talk about. I'm just, I'm, I'm interpreting this today. This is like today's language. Today's language is building was paid off. They kept giving. They kept giving every morning and all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, commandment. And they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from giving. Now I'm going to tell you, for me that was exciting because I thought, oh boy, if the Lord blesses all of us financially to the point that we just are given every single day to the house of the Lord so that finally pastor has to say, you guys got to just stop giving. I can't take anymore. We don't have anywhere to put it. You know what? I'm like, hey, I'm pretty sure we can put some of that in emissions. I'm pretty sure that we can put some more in Sunday school. I'm pretty sure that we can find a place to put it. But you know what? What a day to live in where you have so much abundance going to the house of the Lord that the, the leader has to say, stop giving. That's incredible. And they were doing it cheerfully. Their heart was right. It wasn't like, mm, I hate this every day. I got to give something. Just, it's like tax time. I do hate tax time. We're, we're in it right now, so I can hate it. But 
I don't like it because you just feel, mm. but when you're given to the house of the Lord, it's supposed to be a cheerful gift. It's supposed to be something where you go, God, you've been so good to me. I want to give. I want to give my 10%. I want to give my offering and I want to, I want to give it because I love this house and I know that I want the lights on and I want, I want us to be able to pay for the new mics that we'll need down the road. Fortunately, we may not need them right now, but I know it's going to come at some point. All of this stuff is temporary. At some point, it all has to be updated you know vans have to be updated I mean unfortunately the the government doesn't feel like we should be funded just to have church you can buy things tax-free but you still gotta buy them and so it's like oh give put your faith in action it's a facet of faith And we've already taken offerings, so that wasn't a call to that wasn't a call to offering. The next one is fasting. Fasting is again something that, and, and I'm gonna tell you, of these, there's only one. And 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 again, this this does take away from the people who have an online presence because you wouldn't know, they could still be coming. But there's only one that if, if, if you want to say, everybody can see me doing this, it's the first one. The rest of them, only you can answer the question, are you doing it right? Are you doing enough? Only you know, because it's between you and God. You got to figure it out. And again, if you're watching online, you know what you're doing, but in terms of, if, you, if, if you're saying, but I'm physically coming, that's the only one that other people could go, yeah, I see him at church if, because I'm there too. That's it. The other ones are private things to deal with your faith, to increase your faith, and to show your faith. Because I can tell you what, I wouldn't give a dime to anything if I didn't believe it was going to be invested correctly. Charity. I, 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 there are some charities that I've heard of that, that are just, nothing goes to charity. I wouldn't give. I'll find a different one. If I, if I didn't have faith that something good was going to happen with what I'm giving, I wouldn't give. And so that's where you go, it's not, it's not a question of faith. It is a question of faith. It's absolutely a question of faith. Do you have faith to invest your money in God? Or is it only Edward Jones? Ooh. When you put it like that, it's different. It sounds different. But that's where it comes down to. Fasting. It humbles our soul. Psalms 35 and 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. And my prayer returned into my own bosom. I can tell you what, there's something beautiful about when you say, I've got a need and, or somebody else has a need and you, you, you are so involved in that need and you go, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to fast. I'm going to, I'm going to humble my soul. I'm going to push back the plate or, or deny myself something that I normally would because I am trying to put an investment in the faith factor that something, somebody's sick. Somebody is sick. I got to do something. I want Jesus to see that I'm serious about it. If I'm serious about wanting something from him, I want him to know I'm serious about giving everything I've got to make sure he knows it. 
It's amazing how sometimes we can feel like Jesus is more like a slot machine or a fast food restaurant. Well, if I just show up, you should give me something. But it's like, what investment have you made to prove to him that you're serious about what you need? This is for real. It humbles our soul. It is a necessary component. Fasting is a necessary component to surrender our whole heart to God. Joel 2, 12 through 13. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. It changes your heart. Fasting does something inside of you. I can tell you, after you get past the hangry, it's, it's a changing thing. It's beautiful. I can tell you, when, when, I, when I commit, especially if I'm not just fasting, like um, just because we're doing something, but I'm fasting because of a need. I go, there's a need here. I got to fast. There is something in your soul. I mean, when you feel that hunger pain, it's not just I'm, I'm bitter about it. You go, I'm feeling hungry, God. And I'm feeling hungry for you. I know it's my belly right now, but I've got a deep need, Jesus. And I want you to hear every groan inside of my belly as a cry to you that I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing that you're going to do something. And I want you to hear this pang of hunger. To know that I'm so serious, that I'm trusting in you, because otherwise I wouldn't have given up my food today. Otherwise I wouldn't have stopped doing whatever it was that I was doing. Otherwise I wouldn't have even committed it to my heart. But I'm believing. I believe in a healing. I'm believing in a deliverance. I'm believing in a salvation. And it grows us. And it's a component for certain types of warfare. Matthew 17, 15 through 21. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he has fallen into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples to Jesus apart and came to Je came, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you will have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. There are times where there are going to be battles in the spirit realm that are only going to be conquered by prayer and fasting. And you know, you know when, I, when I've read this before, what struck me was, well, the only reason that he came out was because it was Jesus, and that's God. 
because I don't see anywhere where Jesus was praying and fasting for this to happen and it happened. And then God gave me, I, I had a revelation. He had been praying and fasting all the time. He didn't have to pray and fast over that for that moment. He had been praying and fasting all the time. And I thought, we, we, we have battles in our lives. And God, he's trying to help us prepare for when they come. Not so that we are dealing with the praying and fasting right when it happens, but that we are preparing our arsenal for when the battle comes so that we can go, you get behind me, Satan. You remove mountain because I've been fasting and praying and I've got, I've got an arsenal in my camp. I've got an arsenal of weaponry. There is nothing that can come against my father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is nobody who can defeat my dad because I've been praying and fasting and I'm, pre I'm prepared for this. It was not that Jesus, even though, yes, he, he's God. M manifested in flesh, that was God. He, could, he can do anything. He can, you know, reduce all of us to ash in one moment. But what is beautiful is everything that he did when he came to earth, he was showing us how to do it ourselves. He didn't do anything that he didn't prepare us to be able to do as well. When he walked on water, he brought somebody with him. When he raised the dead, he let others do it too. The only reason that that came out like that was because he had already, he had already packed up his prayer and fasting. I, I, I got my prayer and fasting. It's, it's, it's here in my bunker. It's ready to go. So when I see that kind of spirit, I can go, buddy, let me tell you what. I've been praying and fasting. You get out. You get out. And I think, you know what? That's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take away our weapons of warfare, which are spiritual. Because the strongholds are not people. It's the high places in the spirit. And so you can say, well, I, I know that you're saying that, but I got a boss who's crummy. Believe you me, there's something going on in the spirit. There is something. You, my, I, I remember as a kid, my mom used to say, that is so spiritual. And as a kid, I was like, how can everything be spiritual? I struggled with that when I was a little girl. Because my mom, I would hear her say, that is spiritual. And I was like, mama, it's a real thing. Like it's, it's a, you know, the crisis is that this has happened. It's, it's a real issue. She's, and, and I, why I didn't ask her, can you explain this to me? I don't know. But it was something that when I got older, I just, I, I understood. She's right. Everything is spiritual. You think you're battling against flesh and blood, but there is a warfare going on in the heavenlies that's trying to take each and every single one of us out. It's all spiritual. You say, well, no, it's just a bad attitude. It's a bad attitude that's a spirit. It's a spirit. You got to deal with it. So how do you deal with it? Fasting. The next one is praying. And, and praying goes into fasting so easily because as you saw, there are certain spirits that you don't get them out without prayer and fasting, both. But you know what prayer does that's beautiful? It relieves us. It relieves us of our cares and anxieties. And it is more than just a spiritual honey-do list. 
I think sometimes, again, I think it's like when we are so upset about whatever it is that's going on, and I, I, I'm guilty of this. I found myself doing this before. You know, whatever it is that's, in, that's, that's happening that I'm, I'm struggling with, I come to God and I'm like, God, you got to deal with the situation right now. I, I, this, is, this is the pits of despair. And you know, and this one and that one. And as I'm praying, I am not feeling better. <laughs> it's like I am wallowing in it. I mean, it's like I'm thinking. And then, then I can start crying. But it's not crying of a refreshing. It's like, it's like that dirty, awful, like, I am in the pits kind of cry, and I, I still have not seen the daylight. But that's why when we pray, it's supposed to be more than just a list of what you need God to do. Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. That's the key. That's the key. Let your request be made known unto God. Because this is the beautiful thing about when you're praying and you're using Thanksgiving, because the Bible says we're supposed to enter into the gates with Thanksgiving and his courts with what? Praise. Because when you do that, when you make that the method by which you are accessing God to tell him what's going on, it's like Esther preparing a meal to the king. She recognized how big that king was. She knew about his power and authority. She knew he could kill her as opposed to say, come on up. And when you are talking to the king of kings and you say, oh, you are so amazing, God. I just want to thank you today for giving me air to breathe. And I want to thank you today for letting me feel you, despite the fact that I am, in, I am in turmoil. I want to thank you today, God, because I know that you are in this situation, despite the fact that I'm struggling to see what the outcome is going to be and how is it going to be good. I'm thanking you, God, because I know you're big and you do own the cattle on a thousand hills. And you did call Lazarus from the grave. And you start turning your, your prayer before you start asking for anything into praise and thanksgiving, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when you are ready to ask God for something, you are realizing, my problem is like this now. This is a mighty big God. He's called people from the dead. He died on a cross, bleeding and, and water coming out of his side and was in a tomb for three days and rose again. Not because anybody called him forth. He did it for himself. He can't see to my problem. All of a sudden, you are encouraged. All of a sudden, your prayer becomes victorious. All of a sudden, you may be crying, but it's because I know I've got a dad who's watching out for me. He is watching out for my family. He is watching out for what's going on. He knows my name. He knows the number of hairs on my head. Oh, what a God I serve. He sees the tiny sparrow. And I know if he sees those tiny little birds, he's looking out for me. Thank you, Jesus, for watching over me and my family every day. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing to every need, for providing something for me, for protecting us. Oh. Clap your hands to the Lord. It just changes the atmosphere of where you're at when you enter in with thanksgiving in your prayer. But I can tell you again, 
You wouldn't be praying if you didn't have faith that he could do something about it, which is why it's a facet of faith. And then the final one is reading and studying the word. And, and, and the first one there is probably the most important. It's because it's God. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. When you get in that book, I can tell you, there is something beautiful about hearing the master speak beautiful things to you and about you. To hear something when, you, when you've had a day where you, go, where you feel like nothing but, but my day has been a prophecy of negative. Everything in my day, everything in my week has been nothing but a prophecy of gloom and doom. And, and yet when you, when you get into that word, when you start reading that word and you say, he loves me, he chose me, he died for me. For me, not just as a group, for me. He saw my face. He knew. And he gave me permission to be part of him, despite the fact that I don't have any special family. I'm not a child of the Israelites. He opened the door. He tore the veil. <sighs> there is nothing more encouraging in your faith than getting, getting into the word and not just reading it, not just ticking it off as a box, but reading it and going, oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for seeing me every day. Thank you for seeing each of us every day. Thank you for despite all of my failures and frailties and times where I have been unreasonable and offended and bitter and whatever you want to say, I can tell you. Maybe that's not you. That's me. There are times where I know I, I've been a jerk. <laughs> and there's nothing else to it. And yet God, in all of his kindness, he sees the jerk and he says, I can wash that. I can forgive that. I can love that. Despite the fact that there are people who would, who would be like, the bridge is burned, baby. The bridge is burned. He, he restores bridges. He mends things. He's a fixer. And you know what? I, I tell you, and I'm, I'm going to end here because there's, there's so much more that you can read. And I, I just found so, so many beautiful scriptures about this. And, I, and I, I just feel like in this end time, and so I'd like the praise singers to come if you would. In, in this end time, what I, what I feel like is the most important thing for us to do is to see what is our measure of faith? Where is our faith? And where are we with the five facets? And, and, and if you say, well, I, you know, in my own self, I feel like I could beef this one up. Let's make it to the end. I, I want to make it to the goal. And you know what? I don't care if I come limping if I make it to that finish line. I, I don't care if I look like raggedy if I can make it to that finish line. There is nothing more important. There's nothing that I wouldn't give up. There's nothing that I wouldn't do. There's no sacrifice that's too great in my life right now that I, I, that I don't want to see Jesus. 
And that's where you, you have to get. You have to say, I believe so much. I believe so much. I just want to see Jesus. Will you all stand with me? And if you feel comfortable, you can come. We're just going to worship the Lord for just a moment. And if you prefer to stay where you're at, worship there. Please feel free to do so. I, I just feel like God is, is saying, let's go deeper. Let's change our mind. Let's increase our faith. Let's, let's go to the next level because he's coming. He's returning. And I, I want to be on that boat. I want to be on that boat. And I'm going to tell you what. I can't imagine being on that boat with any other people outside of you. We are a body and the bride. And I want to do whatever we need to do to make it. Will you just pray with someone if you feel comfortable? And if not, just, just say a word to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you and we lift you up, God. You're so kind and good, Jesus. You are so worthy, Jesus, to see us, God, and all of our afflictions and everything, God, that we go through, and yet to love us and to give us your strength and your power and your mercy. God, whatever it is that we may be going through, if you would increase, Jesus, our faith in you, if you would help us build our five facets of faith, God, so that we can grow closer to you and grow in a more intimate relationship with you, God.